Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is Johnny G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Refractive. I'm your host, Johnny G. I am thrilled to bring you the latest episode in our Heal Yourself series. Today, it's all about inner peace. In fact, this episode and the next one are going to focus on inner peace. Now, I'm not a mental health practitioner, and I don't intend for any of the suggestions I make today to argue with directives you may have gotten from a qualified practitioner. Um, what I can do is offer my experience and offer my perspectives. And if it resonates with you, I invite you to give it a shot. If it in any way contradicts what a qualified individual has encouraged you to do, then I'm going to ask you to talk with that person about what the best way forward might be. I'd also encourage you to check in with your intuition as well. This episode can be absorbed in two ways. You can listen passively. Let's say if you're on your commute right now um, and you just want to absorb any nuggets that might resonate with you, great, perfect. You don't have to actually engage in any written analysis or journaling or anything like that. The other way is to engage with this episode actively, and that is treating it as a recorded workshop. There are several points throughout the episode where I will encourage you to look inside yourself and answer some questions, and that might be done through meditation or journaling or some other form of, of, of stillness exercise. However you choose to absorb this material, I know it's perfect for you, and I just want to invite you to follow your gut on that. Remember that if you are using this as a workshop, and if you'd like to ask any questions that arise for you to me, you can always reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one. Um, no charge. Just send me an email, refractivepodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to give you insights on anything I can if it helps your inner work feel more complete. All right, let's just move forward. What do I mean by inner peace? And why is this a topic that falls under the umbrella of the Heal Yourself series? The fact is, well, I say the fact is, in my perspective, inner peace does not depend on outside circumstances. And this is radically different from what I've been taught. I don't know about you. Inner peace, in my opinion, can be found in the middle of a war-torn village. It can be found in a surgical waiting room while my most intimate loved one is under the knife. It can happen while an earthquake or flood is occurring right now. It can happen while I'm deep in grief, uh, mourning the, the passing of someone at a funeral. Um, 
It could even happen while I'm being mugged or attacked. Inner peace depends on me. My inner peace depends on me. It depends on how I relate to the world, not on how the world relates to me. So I want to say this again. Inner peace depends on how I relate to the world. It does not depend on how the world relates to me. I know that seems idealistic and I get it. But if you think that inner peace depends on what's happening around you, who am I to argue? I'm open to hearing how you've achieved inner peace. And I would love to receive your email with some information about that. And that's not me being uh, at all skeptical. I'm super curious. So uh, again, you can email me at refractivepodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear about it. And I won't tell you you're wrong. How could I possibly know that? Why do I feel qualified to talk about how to find inner peace? Well, listen, the truth is my own current inner experience of inner peace is variable. I ebb and flow in the level of peace I feel. So if you're looking for me to call myself a guru and claim that I sit in constant state of enlightenment, you can keep searching because that's not me. That's not where I am. What I can say, though, is that today I access a far greater level of inner peace than I ever have before. And my consistent discomfort around things that have happened to me and that might happen to me in the future. So my discomfort around the past and the future, whether we're talking about things that are emotional, emotional, financial, medical, social, physical, like I used to have crippling fears around these things, worries. It took a great deal of effort to shut down those feelings and keep moving forward toward a life that I imagined was better than what I was experiencing at that moment. I imagine that if I found ways to tamp down those fears and anxieties, and usually the methods I used to tamp down those fears and anxieties were not healthy ones, um, they were substances, behaviors, even throwing myself into my career in an unhealthy way. Um, and all of this was in an effort to feel more secure, to have more leisure in my life, to feel more fulfilled, more comfortable. My efforts to move around that lack of inner peace led me to a long, long list of consequences that completely destroyed my life. Here goes. I experienced multiple addictions and compulsions, long periods of complete social isolation, extreme medical challenges, along with a list of prescriptions, bankruptcy, deep self-hatred, deliberate self-harm, deep destabilizing rage, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, abuse of others, career sabotage, and on and on and on. And that's just my life between the ages of 25 and 35. Today, I can tell you that the volume of my fears around disaster, the death of me, the death of my family, poverty, medical issues, all those types of things that used to leave me shaking, that, that has been turned way down for me as a result of the work that I've done on myself. 
My fears today mostly center on abandonment or my worthiness. These are still fears that affect my, my level of inner peace to varying degrees. Um, and, and, and those are my, my, my biggest fears today. So again, I'm not some Yoda that sits in, in constant state of Zen enlightenment. That's not who I am. But what I can tell you is that I experience a far greater degree of inner peace today than I ever have before. And the things that I hear other people worrying about, whether it's which party gets elected to the government, whether it's financial insecurities, whether it's um, loneliness and other things like that, like those things just don't seem to bother me the way they bother other people. And they used to. That's why I feel I have some experience to share in this episode. And I hope it will be helpful to you. I really hope it will. Let's get into the actual process of understanding inner peace and then how to cultivate it. Inner peace, in my perspective, comes from acceptance. In fact, I find acceptance to be a really close synonym to inner peace. The more complete my acceptance of what is happening, the more peaceful I feel about what is happening. Now, if I'm looking for a definition of acceptance, what works for me is not arguing with what is. Not arguing with what is. That's how I see acceptance. When I talk to a lot of people about acceptance, I get pushback that, well, how am I supposed to accept injustice? And how am I supposed to accept you know, um, victimizing innocent children and things like that. No, 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 no. Acceptance doesn't mean approving. It doesn't mean approval. It doesn't mean passive support. Acceptance means what has happened has happened. And if I wail and gnash my teeth about what has happened, then the only thing that changes is that my level of inner peace declines. I am not more effective in making changes in the world around me just because I'm upset. That is a myth. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, and you know I have a whole episode dedicated to the Sermon on the Mount, even though I'm not Christian, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus literally says, when has worrying added even an hour to your life? So what I'm saying is acceptance is the key to inner peace. Now, while I believe that it is the core of peace, acceptance is a large and unwieldy topic. So let's break it down to another level. Let's break acceptance and therefore inner peace into two building blocks, security. And when I say security, I mean faith that all is well regardless of what's happening and satisfaction. The second pillar satisfaction that all my needs are met. Okay. So security all is well satisfaction. My needs are met. Are you with me? We're taking a huge topic inner peace and we're breaking it into the, these two pillars. Today's episode is going to focus just on the first pillar security faith that all is truly well. So 
how can we develop a sense of security? If security is a pillar of inner peace, how do I get there? In reality, security in a physical sense is always, always an illusion. I can't ever be truly physically secure. I can't stop the earth's atmosphere from suddenly turning poisonous. I can't stop a meteor from hitting the planet. I can't stop my building from collapsing. I can't stop a gas leak in, in my, in my area from, you know, causing an explosion that takes my life. I can't stop my child from being hit by a runaway bus. I can't stop cancer from sprouting inside of me. I can't stop these things. Okay. And we say, yeah, but you could buy a, you know, you could buy a detector. So in case there's some poisonous gas, like you'll know about it, you can buy life insurance policies. You can teach your kid not to, you know, to provide themselves extra space so that they don't get hit by a runaway car. Well, I don't know. Can you really, like, do you really have control over your level of security? I mean, I know that we can do things that make us feel more secure, but do they really, really change how protected our lives are? I don't believe that we can really do that. I believe we can stick a pacifier in our mouths so that we stop shaking. But in reality, if we look honestly, uh, that we can never achieve physical security. Our life is not under our control. I don't tell my heart when it gets to start and stop beating. I just don't have that power. And so that's an important foundational element of considering the concept of security. Security in a physical sense is illusion. It doesn't really exist. And anything you're doing to make yourself secure is just a pacifier. It's the same thing as sticking a rubber pacifier in a baby's mouth so it doesn't cry. I don't mean that you should not follow your intuition in taking care of yourself. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is let's take care of ourselves while recognizing that we are not the architect of our existence. We don't get to control when we live and when we die. We don't get to control how we die. We don't even get to control how we live. All we get to do is make the decision that's been brought before our faces moment after moment after moment. That's from the physical perspective. From the soul perspective, Security is a completely unnecessary concept. The soul is never in danger. So the idea of needing to have security for the soul, it's, it's irrational. It doesn't even make sense. And so the ego does its job because the ego is all about the physical life. And it brings this need for security to our attention all the time. Now, the ego's very existence depends on individuality, on separation, right? I am because I am not you. If I never saw another person or another thing, then I am all there is. But the minute I see another entity, I am me, and that entity is that entity. And so now 
there's comparison and there's all sorts of things that happen, right? So if I am not you, because you are you and I am me, then I have me and my stuff. You have you and your stuff. I have mine. You have yours. Do I like mine? Do I like yours better? Do you like mine better? Do I need to hold on tighter to mine? Do I prefer yours? And so on. Now we can see where a lack of security, where insecurity begins. If she's so beautiful and I don't look like her, I must not be beautiful. If he's so wealthy and I, my life doesn't look like his, I must not, be, I must not have enough. Security as a concept belongs only to the ego. So for the rest of this episode, when I talk about security, I mean physical security. Spiritual security doesn't even exist, right? Physical security, how secure you feel in the world. Security in the physical world is built on three qualities. Three qualities. Stability, confidence, and comfort. Stability, confidence, comfort, okay? So how do I acquire these three states of experience? How do I, how does stability, confidence, and comfort contribute to my feeling of security? And therefore, one of those pillars of inner peace. Well, let's start with stability. Stability means reliable, predictable. When yesterday and today look similar, my ego tells me things are okay. When yesterday and today are dramatically different, my ego says, wait, 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 wait. And vigilance goes into high gear. And the more energy I direct into the false idea that I can stabilize my life, the less bandwidth I have for joy, gratitude, love, passion, and other authentic paths to fulfillment. I've spent so much effort trying to balance the boat that I forgot to row. And now the storm has tossed me around. I haven't been rowing. I haven't been maintaining direction. And now I have no idea where I'm going because I've been trying to balance the boat. When maybe the smarter move would have been to just to row out of the storm. So in order to develop this building block of inner peace, security, it's important to anchor into something other than physical stability. This is why so many people find comfort in spiritual practices. By rooting ourselves in spiritual stability rather than in physical stability, we are less prone to being disturbed by outside circumstances. Remember, one of the first things I said today is that inner peace does not depend on outside circumstances. One of my favorite spiritual teachers, Byron Katie says, listen, if you are a Buddhist monk and you get wrongly imprisoned and thrown into solitary confinement, the Buddhist monk says, oh, thank you. While someone else is screaming their head off, what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is what's happening inside. It's not what's happening outside. And Buddhists refer to this state of not rooting stability in external circumstances. They call it equanimity. Now, 
we do live in this physical world. Not all of us are ready to be a Buddhist monk and simply disregard all the structures of societal living, okay? And I'm certainly not asking you or encouraging you to do that. The key, what I'm suggesting, is to see the world as it is without blinders. Be honest with yourself. For example, if you need to have a nest egg of a certain dollar amount in order for you to feel okay, fine. That's fine. Do it. Save it. Just be honest about it. Be honest in realizing that having a nest egg of a certain dollar amount doesn't really make me secure. But I'm okay to keep sucking on the pacifier. It doesn't hurt anything. I'm fine. I can go do it, right? If that's what I feel I need to do, then I'll do it, right? But let's be honest about it. Let's admit that at best, I might be skewing the chances more in my favor, but I'm never able to really save myself. Those decisions are made far above my pay grade. They're made by the creator, by the universe. I am not the architect. I am a drop of the ocean, but I am not the ocean. All right. So it's important that while I continue to stabilize myself in the physical world by saving money, by doing other things that make me feel physically secure, that I'm also rooting myself in spiritual stability. That could include a meditation practice. It could include building service of others into my life. It could include leaning into my creative power. You know, creation is a deeply spiritual experience, whatever. The bottom line is let's look for balance and perspective in how we seek our stability, both physically and spiritually. Let's look for balance and perspective as we seek stability. And so I want to give you some exercise questions to examine the concept of stability in your life. Okay. So question number one, what external circumstances am I using in order to feel more stable in life? Are there any of them that I should re-examine or de-emphasize? I'll say that again. Question number one, what external circumstances am I using in order to feel more stable in life? Are there any of them that I should re-examine or de-emphasize? This is a great journaling exercise for you. As you come up with your answers, check in with your intuition, check in with your inner sense of highest knowing or pray about it or ask someone whose spiritual state you trust uh, what you think you could do with this information that you've got, you've garnered. I can't possibly tell you what to do with it because it depends on what you write. But once you have this information, you're halfway there. Okay. So that was question one. What external circumstances am I using in order to feel more stable in life? And are there any of them that I should re-examine or de-emphasize? Question number two. 
what are my opportunities to anchor my stability on a spiritual basis? Okay, I'll say that again. Two, what are my opportunities to anchor my stability on a spiritual basis? And here you're looking for just ideas. You're brainstorming. There's no wrong answer in a brainstorm list, but where can you build room for spiritual stability in your life? And again, it doesn't matter if you continue to work on building physical security. I'm not saying you need to get rid of everything you own and go live in a yurt. What I'm saying is, be clear-eyed and open-minded and honest with yourself about some of the rainbows you're chasing and it's okay to still chase them. And can I begin to make room for anchoring myself into some spiritual stability? All right, let's move on to the second of those three aspects of security, confidence. Confidence in this situation means that you believe all is well. You feel that you know what's going on. Nothing is waiting around the corner to pull the rug out from under you. In this sense, another word for confidence would be faith. Okay. So confidence means that I understand what's happening and it's all okay. That is what faith is. If you have strong faith, you fear nothing because you know that no matter what happens to you, all is well. So when we experience low confidence or a lack of confidence, our ego very skillfully steps in to try to help. And it offers hypervigilance. I don't know what's going to happen, so I will analyze every variable to see every possible negative situation before it does happen. I don't want to be caught off guard. That's what your ego is saying. And if you've ever experienced hypervigilance, you know it is not a comfortable state. It seems that many people live large chunks of their lives in hypervigilance always waiting for something to jump out from them around the next corner. These are people who tend to be pessimists. That is not a comfortable lifestyle. And because as we've already established today, earlier in the episode, we're not in control. I'm not the architect of the universe. I'm not the, even the architect of my own life. I don't give myself the gift of one breath or one heartbeat because I am not in control life's natural rhythm of ups and downs seems to confirm to the ego that hypervigilance is necessary, that hypervigilance is valuable. And so I wonder if you can see how having a lack of confidence that all is well robs us of our inner peace. That's what I'm saying. This is why confidence is one of these three aspects of security. Okay. In reality, I can't ever really know what's coming at me. I can't ever really protect myself from the unknown. I can't ever make tomorrow look like today. All I can do is follow my gut 
moment by moment, micro moment by micro moment to live a long, loving, fulfilling life. That's all I can do. I cannot make things okay according to my specific definition of okay. All I can do is follow my gut moment by moment to live a loving and fulfilling life. And so it's up to me to reframe my definition, my concept of confidence. And I have some questions for you to consider if you'd like to maybe reframe the role confidence plays in your life. Remember, when I say confidence, I mean faith that all is truly well, no matter what's happening. Question number one, what do I actually have control of in my life? What do I actually have control of in my life? What guarantees can I actually make and keep about my path and my family's paths? I'll reread question one. What do I actually have control of in my life? What guarantees can I actually make about my path and my family's paths? Feel free to rewind if you missed it. Number two, in the past year, right? Let's just go back 12 rolling months. In the past 12 months, where have I been taken care of by something or someone else? In the past 12 months, where have I been taken care of by something or someone else, by something other than me? Okay, that's question number two. Question number three. In my life's most difficult moments, not just in the past 12 months, but in the darkest moments of my life, where was I taken care of by something or someone else? Okay, thinking of your maybe two or three darkest moments in life. I'll reread that. In my most difficult moments, where was I taken care of by something or someone else? And for questions two and three, the goal of this is to show you, you didn't bring those difficult moments on yourself, and you didn't gift yourself the grace of being taken care of. Stuff that hurt happened, and you made it. And you didn't make it because of you. You made it because of something or someone else. Whether you believe that that something or someone is a deity, whether you believe it is a loving network of people that are around you, whether you believe it's forces of the universe, whether you believe it's metaphysics, whatever. Something other than you took care of you in your darkest times. Something other than you has kept you alive all these years. Something other than me has stopped the earth from being hit by a meteor in the last several thousand years. And so I have a life, right? I don't get to choose. Okay, so we did questions one, two, and three. Here's question four. In what areas of my life am I placing irrational pressure on myself 
to force a certain outcome. I'll say it again. In what areas of my life am I placing irrational pressure on myself to force a certain outcome? And this question number four is kind of a, a different spin on question number one. Remember question number one was what do I actually have control of in my life? Question four is where am I assuming I have control and therefore I'm pretending that I'm controlling things. Where am I placing irrational pressure on my shoulders to force a certain outcome in my life? Yeah. Do I believe that if I push my children hard enough, they're going to have a beautiful, charmed life when they're adults because they've gone to Yale? Is that what I believe? Because I know some people who went to Yale and they don't all seem happy and carefree in their lives. I know some people who never went to college who do seem very happy and carefree. So what is it that you're really asking for? What is it that you're really doing when you believe that you're pulling these strings to get the outcomes you want, right? Is it working? Has it worked for other people? I don't know. All right, let's move on to the third part, which is comfort. In this situation, Comfort refers to the feeling that our physical needs are met. Our bodies are hardwired to send us warnings and alarms in any situation of discomfort. We blow discomfort out of proportion. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's how our bodies are wired. We have this beautiful, wonderful gift of an alarm system. Discomfort is warning that, that, that doom is near. So, when we get hungry, even if we're nowhere near consequences like malnutrition, we get irrational or angry if food doesn't come quickly, right? I know people who say, when I'm hungry, you have 15 minutes to get me food or else I'm flipping the goddamn table. So, I mean, it's an overreaction because our body treats it as a disaster. When we're sad, think about all the ways that we try to soothe ourselves when our when we're sad oh my god i'm going to go get hagendas right oh my gosh i'm going to go i need to go have sex or go on a date or i need to go shopping i need to drown myself in work i need to have drugs i need to binge i need to lose myself in trashy tv i need to read a million books what is the stuff i'm doing in order to do i need to go gamble do I need to start a new hobby? These are, these are things that are responses, often responses to feelings of discomfort. And so, listen, our bodies and egos are hardwired to encourage us to react strongly to discomfort. And because it is deeply satisfying when we relieve ourselves of discomfort, it's very easy to find ourselves addicted to relieving discomfort. The minute I have discomfort, I will do whatever I need to do to get rid of it. 
even if it's throwing myself out of balance, even if it's irresponsible, even if it's harmful in other ways. Oversatisfying these instincts leads to pain, stress, and other consequences, right? If I'm sad and I go on a shopping spree, it doesn't change or fix my sadness, and it might be an irresponsible use of my resources. Hurting myself with excess foods, right? Pouring chemicals into my body because I'm upset does not fix the pain or the difficulty. It just causes more consequences. Yet, how many of us feel like it's perfectly reasonable to binge on, on junk food when we're upset? And so it's important to have perspective. It's important to have perspective. The true antidote to discomfort is perspective. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. The true antidote to discomfort is perspective. Can I take the 10,000 foot view of what's going on? Can I play the tape forward? Can I press fast forward on the, in the movie of what's happening right now? And can I watch the consequences that are going to unroll? If I eat all of this extra food, I'm not going to feel good in my clothes. It's going to make me feel like garbage. It's going to make me physically feel like garbage. And I'm going to be embarrassed emotionally when I don't look good in my clothes, right? Can I play the tape forward and see the consequences of blindly agreeing to satisfy my instincts? That's what I'm saying. Yet. Comfort is one of these three parts of security. So what do I do? What do I do? If I want inner peace and comfort is a part of inner peace, but achieving comfort in these physical ways isn't giving me inner peace, then what do I do? Well, I need to reframe. I need to reframe what comfort is for me. And here are some helpful questions to reframe what comfort might be for you. Number one, what comfort-seeking behaviors in my life tend to go too far? Rank them in order of imbalance and start to be on the lookout for them. Okay, I'll repeat that. Number one, what Comfort-seeking behaviors in my life tend to go too far. Rank them in order of imbalance and just be on the lookout for them. Regarding question number one, when you feel tempted to go too far, once you've made this list, when you're tempted to go too far again, fast forward the tape, play the tape forward. If I agree to engage in this going too far, what is the outcome? Number two, question number two, what areas of discomfort in my life would benefit from examination rather than from soothing? Question number two, what areas of discomfort in my life would benefit from examination rather than from soothing. Maybe what's appropriate 
is to set a timer for 10 minutes and to sit in the grief that you haven't allowed yourself to feel. Or maybe it's setting a timer for five minutes and sitting in the jealousy you feel about your ex that's now with someone else. Just five minutes, right? Just do it for five minutes. Sit in it. Sit in it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. Experience it. Just experience it, right? What areas of discomfort in my life would benefit from examination rather than from soothing? Make a list of those and then be on the lookout for them. When they pop out, oh, okay. So, you know, I'm having that thought of jealousy about my ex. <sighs> Let me just sit on the sofa and set a timer for five minutes and just, just soak in it. You know, question number three, are there any areas of self-care in my life that are actually self-harm? Are there any areas of self-care in my life that are actually self-harm, right? Maybe I believe that binge watching old seasons of reality TV is self-care, but I'm actually sabotaging myself through procrastination, right? Self-harm. Maybe I believe that my cheat day for my diet on Sundays or whatever is taking, is being good to myself and balancing, but the chemicals that I'm pouring into my body, the sugar and the, and the fat or whatever that I'm pouring to my body is actually traumatic for my physical body right? So question number three, are there any areas of self-care in my life that are actually self-harm? So that wraps up the three sub-concepts of security. And my hope for you is that you'll, you'll answer these questions as an exercise in stillness, and you'll look at the content that comes up from that and you'll just start to see things differently. When I was a little kid, I would have these nights where I, I'm looking in the corner of the room and I truly believe that I see the outline of some sort of monster. I can see the ears or the horns. I can see the, the eyes or the face. I can see it. I can literally see it. And it's terrifying. I'm laying there frozen in my bed. And then when I finally get the courage to turn the lights on, it's just a pile of laundry. It's just a pile of laundry. And the thing is that when I come back from the bathroom, let's say, and turn the lights out and get back in bed, I still see the ears or the horns or the eyes or whatever of this monster. I still see it and I'm still scared, but the intensity of that fear has been dialed down a little bit. Because once I see the truth, I can never totally abandon myself to that true fear again, to the entire fear. And over time, that fear will lose its power. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do with these questions. If you want inner peace, we need to turn the lights on. We need to let you see yourself in all the survival mechanisms your ego uses to try to help you, but that holds you back. 
I strongly encourage you to dedicate time to these suggested questions. One of the most loving gifts we can offer myself, I, we can offer ourselves is to be honest without judgment, just honest about where life patterns are no longer serving us. I don't need to beat myself up about it. I just need to admit it. The primary ingredient in self-healing is self-honesty. Answering these questions may not remove the issues from your life. They probably won't. But by turning on the lights and examining them in the safety of the light with proper perspective, those fake boogie monsters will begin to lose their power for you over time. They may still frighten you when you turn the lights out, but never again to the same extent. And over time, the power will fade as you become more and more steady in this new perspective. And by changing yourself, you are changing the world. Whew. We've covered a lot of ground today. I'm so glad you tuned in. We'll continue with this topic of acceptance and inner peace in the next episode. That's inner peace part two, satisfaction. Until then, be good to yourself, be good to those around you, and always remember to aim your light. Take care. You've been listening to Refractive Podcast, and this is Johnny G. If you found today's content uplifting, if you think it might make somebody's day better, give it a share on social media, click like, subscribe. All those things help to expand this podcast availability to new audiences. I'm a speaker, a coach, and a facilitator based out of Washington, D.C., but I travel a lot. If you think I can be of service to you or to your organization, help people get unstuck or move into their authentic power, shoot me an email. My email address is refractivepodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Thanks for listening and aim your light.